If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Let's focus on our top story. That would be, of course, the tsunami of housing legislation we've been getting from Victoria the last couple of weeks. Yesterday, the B.C. government announced new rules that would further overrule municipal zoning. Housing Minister Ravi Kela announced the new legislation that will, if passed, force some cities to allow towers of up to 20 stories near certain transit hubs. If passed, the legislation will mean cities must designate, designate uh, transit uh, development areas within 800 metres of rapid transit station and within 400 metres of a bus exchange. Those areas will include minimum heights and density requirements. The legislation would also remove minimum parking requirements in transit areas. Now, earlier... Um, uh, this year, the government said developers would be allowed to replace a single-family home with up to six units in neighborhoods close to transit stops or up to four units um, on other lots as well. Uh, the province has also said secondary suites and laneway homes will be legalized province-wide. So a lot to take in. Joining me now to talk a little bit about all of this uh, housing conversation is Keith Baldry, Global BC's Legislative Bureau Chief. Keith, welcome. Hello, Jazz. It truly is a tsunami of housing legislation. Never mind what the feds are saying or the municipal folks are saying for a moment. This is a lot. And if it goes ahead the way the government wants it to go ahead, this fundamentally reshapes towns, cities, communities, neighborhoods, full stop across this province. Yeah, I would say that I've not seen a legislative package uh, as far-reaching as as what we're seeing here on housing. Uh, It really is. And again, we don't know how it's going to work necessarily. It's um, a bit of a roll of the dice by the NDP government. uh, But you're right. I mean, it transforms what cities and municipalities are going to look like uh, in terms of housing and what neighborhoods are going to look like. And, you know, the aim is to build 130,000 units of housing over 10 years. Um, and But I tell you, it's, it's reaching over the heads of municipalities like we've never seen before in uh, in British Columbia, if not Canada. So it's, a, it's very all-consuming. And it's interesting, it's all coming in, in the fall session, which usually is traditionally a lighter session when it comes to legislation. We usually see the major bills in the spring. And one of the things we picked up on this, these bills, I think there's four bills now, uh, still waiting for some details on some of the bills that will come through regulations set down by cabinet. Mm-hmm. And until we see those regulations associated with some of these, particularly when it comes to the short-term rental bill, and some of the zo- the zoning bill, uh, changing the zoning rules, it's going to be hard to judge exactly what this is going to look like. Well, we've had um, Eric Woodward, uh, the mayor of the township of Langley, on the last two nights on this show. Um, and uh, we've also had uh, Dylan Kruger on and the minister on a couple of times the last two days as well. Now, Dylan Kruger, Delta City Councilor, was supportive of it. And uh, in the case, and what he said was that, look, for cities like Delta and Richmond, which basically are fully built out, this allows us to speed up um, the, the approval of housing, number one, and number two, we can start focusing on density. But when you speak to Eric Woodward, who is uh, the Township of Langley mayor, they've got lots of land, like Surrey, that has not been developed yet. And they feel this sort of overarching big footing by government is going to cause a lot of trouble for their community. Take a listen to Eric Woodward here in regards to uh, this conversation. 
it's the pre-zoning of land. So if we're required to pre-zone for a single family uh, to be allowed to have six-unit apartment buildings by June, uh, I'm not sure we'll be able to transition that program on the same time frame. And it, the program on the pre-zoning of land combined with this ACC program, which I know the minister thinks addresses the issues, it does not address road and, and greenway dedications or how to secure park and school sites within developing areas like Langley or Surrey. And so, again, uh, you know, you've, they're, they're taking this Vancouver approach where everything is built out and applying it in communities where it's not relevant and doesn't apply. It looks to me that there's going to be some challenges there with the Surreys and the Langleys, uh, while the Richmonds and the Deltas and Vancouver's will say, yes, that's not a bad idea, Minister, we like it. But in the outer burbs, it looks like there's some challenges there. Well, again, let's wait for the regulations. I think some of these things are, are going to be taken care of in regulations. Uh, there's going to be some exemptions on all, all sorts of levels. Uh, yesterday's bill about uh, building near transit was one of the more detailed and specific um, bills where we actually did get concrete information like um, it's basically eight within 800 meters of a SkyTrain station for example these new rules will kick in so the, yesterday's bill was very specific but some of the zoning changes uh, and the short-term rental requirements we're still waiting for some regs some regulations to say exactly how this is going to fit in individual municipalities and even the the manual that's going to go to municipalities is not going to be ready until i think december so that's going to be a real um, roadmap for municipalities. And, you know, Mayor Woodward's been quite critical, and we'll see if some of his concerns are are met by some of these regs or some of the clarification that we have yet to get. Just because a bill was introduced in the House doesn't mean that's the end of it in terms of the impact and, and the rules on the ground that we're going to see going forward. Mm-hmm. Do you see this housing conversation, specifically this legislation, becoming an election issue uh, next year potentially, especially when you look at you know, uh, saying we've legalized secondary suites and laneway homes across this province, even with us four established neighborhoods. Do you see that turning into an election issue or even a generational well, debate? Hard to see what the election is going to turn on in the next year. It's still a year away, almost a year away, October, unless they go in the spring. Uh, right now, you know, poll after poll after poll shows the NDPs at a very high level of support, yet gets failing grades on issues such as housing or affordability. But that doesn't translate into changing voting patterns or, or changing voter intentions. So we'll see if that changes perhaps next fall. One thing I think the government's, I think by design, is giving the impression with this avalanche, as you call it, tsunami legislation, it's certainly giving the impression that something's being done that wasn't done for years to address the affordability issue when it comes to housing. But will housing prices actually be down dramatically a year from now? I kind of doubt that, given the population surge we're going to see on a sustained basis for month after month after month, with the demand for housing that doesn't seem to be going away, even with the creation of more housing units, which, again, are going to take some time to build. So I don't think we're going to see a dramatic increase in housing in fact, the, own, the, the government's own documents, financial documents, the budget and the quarterly report, don't project a huge uptick in housing construction over the next year. This is going to take some time to play out. So maybe it's an election issue or maybe maybe not. Who knows? Yeah, it'll be interesting. I just I get a lot of calls on uh, secondary suites and parking and, and uh, water and sewer and all those kinds of How It's going to turn right, everything parking's up. Parking's a, a good and interesting one because the yesterday's bill, for example, prohibits municipalities from including massive amounts of parking in these transit uh, locations for, for uh, these towers that are going to be built in the transit and bus exchanges. You cannot have... Kalon, Ravi Kalon, the housing minister, referred to a, a project in Burnaby that was going to dig down 14 stories into the ground 
to have an underground parking uh, garage under a 20-story tower. So stuff like that's not going to be allowed. So where does everybody park? That's going to be an issue. We are speaking to Keith Baldry, uh, Global BC's Legislative Bureau Chief. We're talking a little bit about uh, the tsunami of housing legislation we've had over the last couple of weeks from uh, Victoria. I want to move over to an issue generally we don't focus on too much on, on this program, which is just the the, the daily uh, comments you hear in question period. But yesterday I was watching question period and we had Bruce Bandman from um, MLA for Abbotsford South. Uh, he's a BC Conservative now, switching over from BC United, uh, demanding that Dr. Bonnie Henry be fired. Uh, And then yesterday, late yesterday on Twitter, the deputy leader of the Green Party uh, liked a post that compared Dr. Bonnie Henry uh, to a Nazi. Uh, Generally not the type of conversation we have in this on this show or at the legislature in regards to uh, Nazis and and COVID and Dr. Henry. Uh, Keith, what what is going on over there? (laughs) Give us a sense of what, what you're hearing. Well, it's quite interesting. So the Green Party deputy leader, uh, Dr. Gandhi, who was basically uh, terminated last night by our leader, Sonia Personal, mm. has been quite active on social media for some time um, uh, about Dr. Henry and Adrian Dix and really opposing the public health measures, not from an anti-vaccination point of view, but from a more of a um, wanting even more measures uh, when it comes to, like, mass mandates, for example. Um, uh, there's even, in the past, talk about school closures, more ventilation, that, that sort of thing. And he's been very critical, in fact, calling uh, Adrian Dick's names on uh, on social media, calling him a charlatan eugenicist. Uh, eugenics, of course, uh, a discredited belief of uh, the, in genetics and and hereditary traits to determine who gets to live in society. So he's insulting the health minister, and his, you're a deputy leader. You're not supposed to be really doing that. And then he compared, like the tweet comparing Dr. Henry to Dr. Joseph Mengele, the notorious yeah. angel of death and the Nazis. And then you've got the B.C. Conservative Party sort of taking the opposite tack, condemning Dr. Henry, more from an anti-vax point of view, from what I can determine. Today, they brought over, the B.C. Conservatives brought over a bunch of people who said they're health professionals, um, who uh, who refuse to be vaccinated and uh, say this is uh, somehow against the civil rights of everyone. So we had both extremes on display here, and the centerpiece was a mutual dislike of Dr. Bonnie Henry. So, um, but both I think are sort of playing to the fringes here because mm-hmm. uh, you know every bloody survey and poll we've seen for three years gives Dr. Henry and the public health officers pretty high marks of how we've handled. COVID-19. Um, and the vaccination rate is very high in BC. So society is, as a whole has bought into basically what's been going on for three years. But you had both parties on display in the last 24 hours taking sort of fringe positions. And as a result, the Greens are looking fairly embarrassed today. Sonia First and the leader had a pretty rough news conference explaining how this happened on her watch. And then Conservatives, um, you know, who sort of the shiny new toy in the legislature, but are taking fairly right-wing positions. 
as as they sort of try to carve out their identity. Um, more positions that are more probably in keeping with the People's Party of Canada, Max Bernier, than a traditional conservative party. So uh, it's interesting. The BBC conservatives want to go down that road and think they can grow the party that way, but I've seen no evidence that there's a huge number of British Columbians want to start embracing, you know, uh, anti-vaccinations or relaxing public health measures to the point of uh, that some are advocating. But again, the two parties who are not the major parties on display today um, for various reasons and explains why the NDP and the BC United sort of just looked on in amazement of what transpired well, yesterday uh, and today. I mean, as you're saying with the BC Conservatives, they have an opportunity to uh, potentially be in opposition, um, official opposition after the next election judging by what the polls are showing. But this session, all you've seen is silliness, far-right positioning, as you say, People's Party type of uh, far-right wing uh, um, mm-hmm. commentary, and dare I say MAGA, Make America Great Again, Donald Trump kind of stuff. And you sort of shake your head. It's like, wh- where have you folks been or where are you folks when the bulk of the Canadian population, or the BC population certainly, they're vaccinated. They're not really interested in this. If you're going to win votes, especially in urban areas like Metro Vancouver and Victoria, this is not the thing to to win on at all no no it's not a mainstream view and you know the old saying in politics you you know fish where the fish are and that, you know go where the voters are and the voters for the most part hang around the political middle with a bit of shading to the left and the right yeah. and the, the key to forming government is you know you got to broaden your appeal appeal to as many people as possible well, I tell you, I just don't think those that constituency on either side, you know, both of the people who advocate really strong lockdown measures when it comes to and mass mandates all the time and real uh, tough measures, which those days seem to be gone for most people in society, which is uh, puts the Greens, I think, a little out of step. And then you've got um, the other problem the Greens have is this. This has been going on a while on Twitter and social media from the guy who had been their deputy leader up until uh, up until uh, yesterday. And kudos to Rob Shaw of Czech TV, who's the one who, who basically discovered all these this stuff on social media, sent it to First to Know, who subsequently um, uh, dismissed Dr. Gandhi from his position and ruled him out as a candidate. He was actually, ironically, going to face Adrian Dix in the new ride in Vancouver Renfrew as a Green Party candidate. He's no longer the candidate. And now you've also got Andrew Weaver, the former leader who put them on the map in the legislature, has denounced his old party on Twitter as being a fringe party bent on pursuing conspiracy theories. So uh, not the best of time for the Greens, I'm afraid. Usually silly season is election year. We're not there yet, and they're already getting going. There you go. Keith, thank you. All right. Take care.